0: Hello there, we are your hosts Vivek and Pavitra from the Agile Coach podcast. In this podcast, we bring fresh perspectives to you through our interviews with thought leaders in agile coaching, facilitation, business analysis, and product management roles. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Uh, Today, we have Matt Phillip. Uh, He's a good friend, uh, all the way back from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, We work at a few different companies there and had uh, done a podcast before and Matt is a guest by demand. Uh, So uh, to talk about Matt's background, he is a senior director at uh, Pfizer leading their agile transformation. Uh, Matt has been in the software development industry for 15 plus years. Let me just say that, 15 plus years. Uh, Several different companies, I've I've looked at Matt's LinkedIn, there's 14 plus different engagement that uh, you've led. Matt, you've led uh, several different transformation. Um, You started as like a quality assurance background and uh, you've you've done training, you've done coaching. Uh, So, You and you have uh, you have a really successful blog. I've actually, uh, for my personal growth, I've actually read a lot of your blogs myself. Um, So I'm really, really excited to bring you back and have this in-depth conversation around agile transformation, leadership, metrics. We've got all kind of awesome topics. So welcome (laughs) to the show, Matt.
1: Thank you, Vivek. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you, and uh, thank you for being the other reader of my blog. I appreciate that. Um, that makes two of us. So uh, <laughs> it's really no, nice. it's 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 an honor to to be on your uh, on your podcast. So thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Matt, tell us what what are you up to? What are you uh, focusing on? What are you work, working on?
1: Yeah, right. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, most most immediately, I'm I'm thinking about the the big. Uh, soccer match this coming weekend. Uh, my team, the team I support, Manchester City, are playing Liverpool. So it's a, a big, you know, make or break for the season. So that's most for you know, foremost on my mind. But uh, I guess that's a good thing because that means that work isn't you know, like stressing me out, and you know, things are under control at work. And so there's nothing really like carrying over to the weekend. I can actually focus on something that's really important, the big game. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yes. No. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, well, let's talk about work, though. Matt, you're you're leading a large transformation at Pfizer. You're their agile transformation lead. So, what what does that look like? So, what happens in an agile transformation? Kind of help us understand. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's interesting. You know, I think different organizations have different reasons for doing it. And
1: you know, my career, I've, I've done a lot of consulting and worked with organizations. A lot of times that are in positions where they're they're in uh, danger of being disruptive, maybe they're already disrupted. They're they're more legacy organizations that really aren't digital native uh, types of historical organizations. Big or, or big companies they made their name uh, maybe even apart from digital, uh, even pre digital, uh, and then you know they're trying to deal with the pace of change people disrupting them, trying to go, you know, you've probably seen the, the fourth industrial revolution where, you know, we've, we've had IT and digital separate from the business, kind of getting progressively closer to the business. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know you have a lot of people do doing scrum, using scrum, kind of trying to bring that closer into the business. Yeah. And then we have, you know, we have organizations that um, there was never a separation between the business and technology or digital. And so, I think I think if if there's a theme, it's organizations trying to integrate digital as you know inside their business as as one who haven't had that legacy uh, kind of history. And some some organizations, uh, I think Pfizer is probably one of these. Mm-hmm. They're actually they're they're it was spurred by success. So you know you've got a range of organizations that you know they're they're lagging behind, they're laggards. They they done something really well one way and they're good. And now they, they've suddenly realized that in a matter of you know, months, perhaps, you know, we all know those stories. Yeah, um, They're going to be gone or irrelevant. Um, and then, like I said, you know, some companies are, are highly successful right now. And mm. Pfizer, I think, um, you know, our histories, uh, you know, we, we, we got a lot of momentum from developing the vaccine. And I think that gave people a lot of excitement to say, there are some things that are possible that we probably don't even know are possible. And let's push ourselves. And so they're coming from a position of, of strength to say, let's try some organizational agility. Let's do the transformation. And so that's, um, so there's a range, I'd say, yeah. but it's, it's always trying to keep up and, and do great things. Uh, but I think it depends on, you know, we talk about the Kanban methods, uh, Kanban's three agendas. Mm-hmm. And, so, and those kind of can point us to where is the organization? What is the reason for this big change, big organizational transformation?
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, Matt, so when so you're so you've you've got the goal, the adult, the company starts the transformation. I don't know where you are at at uh, in your transformation. So what does it look like? Like what does that alignment look like in terms yeah. of like? Agile coaches or team facilitators or Scrum Masters working across several teams. So for our audience who might be seeing Azure Information just from uh, Scrum Masters perspective, I want to kind of bring that perspective. What does it look like from your view?
1: Yeah, well, I think one pattern I've seen uh, across multiple companies is the organization doesn't have its own capability to do this stuff, so they mm. they of course hire someone else. They hire yeah. consultants. Sometimes yeah. it's an army of consultants. You know, and it's, yes. it's very very pricey. They say, teach us how to do this. Um, we know you know how to do this, and it's fun for me because I've been on both sides now. So yeah. being one of those those people that come in with the, the you know high high price tag consultancy, you know, teach us how to do this, yes. and then. Being on the, on the inside, the kind of receiving end to say, <sighs> right, now that this organization has come and gone. So the typical pattern is, we don't know how to do this. Uh, we want to cover our bases. We're going to hire some respected organization to teach us Agile, transform mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And we only have, have so much money for you all. So after X number of months, years, um, teach us how to do this so we can do it our, on our own. We'll see you later. I'll hire our own coaches, our own scrum masters to, you know, agilify all of our teams and things. And so that's, you know, that, and then it's like, so how do we own this? And how do we do this ourselves? And so I liken it to almost shopping for a suit. I mean, I know some of us don't have any suits anymore, but uh, think about a, maybe a nice shirt or a nice object, whatever um, that you buy off the rack. Uh, and so, you know, Sometimes it fits in certain places. You know, the, the, the Agile consultancy helped us in certain ways. Um, but really, for it to be fit for your purpose, you know, yeah. if you're going out, you need to do some tailoring. And sometimes yeah. a lot of tailoring to make this our own. And so uh, so that's, I think, where where Scrum Masters come in, where coaches come in, who are actually... Now we've been handed this this operating model, this plan, this mm-hmm. uh, center center of Agile excellence, whatever you want to call it. And now we have to, now the hard work begins with making it our own. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think, um, you know, helping the organization own it rather than just kind of have something installed on itself Mm -hmm. is is that's the, that's the real hard work that coaches, scrum masters, product people
0: deal with. Yeah. I know. I know you're doing consulting with, with Accenture and another big, big name uh, consulting firm. So like, what kind of uh challenges did that you faced uh, as as a change agent trying to help bring this change but obviously there's challenging with the budget and you know there's several different challenges so what what kind of things did you face
1: matt yeah yeah that's a great question i, I think there's it's a matter of alignment uh, up and down you know you, you've, you know, there's there's the people doing the work you know like the the people of engineers the people on teams and again, this is maybe digital primarily, but not always digital um, or only digital. And, and then there's kind of the, the management layer. And then there's the high level leadership who have initiated some change. There's some sponsor, some person who's wanting this to happen. Mm. So I think it starts with really at the very highest level to even say, is this transformation? Is this a digital only transformation? I think even at that point, it's kind of like you have a, a moment where you really need to pick pick wisely <laughs> choose yes. wisely um, yes. you know because i as i alluded earlier w- when we start saying this is a digital and a d- digital working for the business as opposed to this is one business this is one organization mm. uh, and we're going to do this together that's a huge um, uh, turning point i think or a decision making point mm. but for me as a, as a change agent whether i'm working in you know, as a consultant or in, inside the organization. It's really being mindful of all the different uh, levels of, of work going on. Yeah. And so quickly, you can get different stories or there's gaps. You know, uh, uh, Stephen Bungay has an amazing book uh, called The Art of Action, in mm. which he talks about the, the, the gaps between what we plan, uh, what we do, and the actual effects of that. Mm. And so trying to close those gaps is really important because what happens pretty quickly is leadership has one idea of what's going on. We're we're transforming. We're making all these agile teams. We're going to be faster, and um, and the middle layer has kind of its own view of the yeah. world, and the people doing the work, yeah, have have a very different story sometimes. You know, right. yeah. a lot of times they they know what's what's good, what's what what they should be doing, but they're precluded from doing so because mm. of, of upper level decisions. Uh, one common factor is just too much work being cast upon them. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about limiting work and progress at the team level and good mm-hmm. scrum masters, product people understand this. Yeah. But what happens is they're in their environment, they're, they're, they're forced to work on multiple projects at once. They're, you know, they're, they start things without finishing things. And mm-hmm. so there's, the organizational dynamic to keep the
0: mind. So, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious. So Matt, um, so you talked about, you know, like looking at work in different levels, right? One is strategy portfolio level, and then, you know, uh, another level where you're organizing the work. And then the third is like people are actually doing the work, right? So as a, as a consultant, um, a lot of the folks who are listening to this uh, podcast are uh, consultants. So as a consultant, how do you be, um, how do you become fit for a service like how do you become useful for the client yeah. despite of client having a lot of challenges like how do you assess that because uh, at the end of the day you're there you you have to add value right so how, how do you do that
1: yeah yeah that's that's a great question i think it's um, i think you for me you it's kind of like this idea of you know flowing around the rocks It'd be like water flowing around the rocks so when you hit resistance there's always going to resistance uh, flow in the places where you can make a difference. And sometimes mm. that's just individual people, you know, mm. indiv- investing in, you know, the client side coach, um, investing in a product owner who's really keen to learn. And um, so for me, I, I, yeah, I try to work at the highest levels I can. Uh, at some point you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get, uh, you know, the resistance. Uh, so part of it is understand what, how people, deal with change and uh, I think Mm. that's where we start talking about the idea of evolutionary change versus revolutionary change a lot of this can really be tremendously um, identity challenging for people who uh, have been doing something a lot of times you know you work in an organization where the people who've been there 10, 20 years they know how to survive in that environment so disrupting their world is going to be it's going to be almost like a, a fear inflicting Right. So of course we yeah. would expect, just like we expect ourselves, we're going to resist yeah. that change. So anyways,
0: but uh, yeah, I, I think for, yeah, me, man, for, for that one, yeah. I mean, we, we did that evolutionary versus revolutionary. I think we did, did that in the context of scrum and Kanban. We kind of looked at it, right? Like, do you, do you want to share more more insights around like what does more of an evolutionary um, change looks like? And it looks like you're, you're a big fan of more yeah. of a evolutionary model.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yes, I am. I'll I'll be upfront about that. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not not because uh, it's it's because of what I see on on the ground in in reality. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I don't know. Mike Tyson is well known for saying everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face or whatever. Um, uh, You know, it it looks good on paper. And and even like I I, I said, I've been a consultant and consultants like to present a pretty picture Buy this. This is how it's going to go. It's going to be beautiful. And... (laughs) uh, and of course we, when the when the rubber meets the road it's difficult so what happens is um these these beautiful plans, that they they're kind of contextual less uh, mm. context free that they, they don't mm-hmm. respect what's, what's actually going on most teams are already underway right so um completely changing the way they work is going to be it's kind of like a a body rejecting a, an organ or something right yes. um and it doesn't mean we can't use Scrum, uh, but the reality is if you're if you're trying to move from a, I'll say a long stage gate process, call it waterfall, call it non-iterative delivery approaches, to one in which you're meant to be delivering working software every two weeks, uh, that's no one's able to do that. If you were already able to deliver software every two weeks, you probably wouldn't be going through an organizational transformation. Yes. Uh, it's almost by definition you can't do this, right? And so, immediately it starts corrupting these very ideas. Like we find in the manifesto, like uh, working software is our primary measure of uh, progress, right? Like you can't do that on a dive. And so that's why, yes, we want to get there. But yes, we want to have small teams that are that can, you know, deliver um, autonomously. But that's another part of it too. Is like when we say, right, we need to get everybody into these small two pizza teams, uh, you know, seven plus or minus whatever it is. We we get artificially bake in dependencies, which actually are the opposite of what we want. It makes it harder to deliver end to end value. <laughs> and so, yes. so yes, we want to get there, uh, but we, we need to take an evolutionary approach because what happens is all the real the core ideas of agile get corrupted when we force people into these these contexts that are that are uh, basically backward to what we're we're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so. Matt what are the core um what are the core things that are needed to build an agile team when you coach uh, in a team level what do you yeah. what do you think they are Well I mean lately we've been talking a whole lot about psychological
1: safety uh are our unofficial book club we've been talking about that where we're doing uh, Amy Edmondson's fearless leader our fearless organization and so mm. I think I, I do think that it, it's really important to, to create safety for all, all things, you know, like um, uh, for, in terms of creating innovation, allowing new ideas to, you know, novel ideas to come forward, and also on the negative side, to be able to have people voice concerns like this isn't working. Um, this is, you know, there's there's catastrophic things waiting for us here to create that situation. Um, mm. and, and I found that I think a lot of organizations. Um, Suffer from a lack of psychological safety organizationally yeah. and in teams. So I think creating that, and I think, you know, whether you're a scrum master, product person, uh, team member, I think that's working on that and measuring it. Mm-hmm. You now, a lot of people say, oh, this is a safe space. Well, that's not really for someone to declare, it's really for the others in the group to be able to say. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, even, even simple things like doing an anonymous safety check beginning mm. of a retrospective. I mean, how many yeah. how many of us do that? That's very simple. You don't mm-hmm. have to do it every time, but mm-hmm. just to, to, how do we actually know? It's one thing, like I said, the gaps between our perception and what's the reality. reality. Yeah. Um, so doing like simple safety checks, uh, on, on you know, Emmy's, uh, Evans' site has a, a free safety check. It's like eight questions. Why don't we do that occasionally with the mm. team? Make it mm. anonymous. Again, so uh, you know, a lot of people that do surveys and they like put your name, you know, required name here. Well, it's kind of <laughs> undermines the whole purpose, right? Uh, so, I think safety is a big part of it. Uh, I think, uh, especially in in remote context, which a lot of us have, have endured and gone through the last couple of years, is just taking time to create some team agreements and, and team ways of working. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times we get we just throw people into to new teams, heedless of like that kind of fundamental uh, hygiene for lack of a better word just mm-hmm. to help the team work work better together and understand how it wants to work um, yeah I, yeah i think those are yeah so
0: matt, matt we're gonna um so my, my question to you is you know you're, you're an awesome leader you know you you're you've done so much of the coaching work and you understand this work. You've obviously been on both sides of, you know, consulting and um, now actually leading our organization. So what, what advice do you have for um, development managers or uh, people who are, who are in management leadership role, um, but Mm -hmm. they're not fully bought into like the whole psychological safety thing um like what 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 advice do you have like how how do you or, or if you're a consultant right like if you had to go talk to another leader where you know this this body of work is not um available or they don't understand it like how do you how do you help them understand uh the value yeah. what it can bring yeah well first thank you that's very kind of you to say that about yeah I, I, for me I, like it's kind
1: of like the more i learn the more i realize i don't know so I think for, for first off, for leaders, managers, always be working on yourself first. I mean, like um, you know, uh, I realize how much I fail and how much I want to improve, and so always be reading, always be improving. Get get yourself into groups where you're uh, you're getting feedback from people. Uh, but I would say work on yourself first before you try to uh, lead others and tell others what to do. But to yeah. your point about about not being bought into the stuff. Yeah, no one should take any of this stuff Like from me, from you, uh, but try it empirically. You know, Scrum talks about empirical uh, ways of working and, and, and trying things. Experiment mindset is, is, is part of what I'd say. Try that. Like, if you don't, it, start with a hypothesis. psychological safety, and if, you're, if you don't think psychological safety is important, maybe start with that. Say, uh, my hypothesis is that uh, psychological safety doesn't matter. And so, how can I how can I test that? Right. <laughs> yes. uh, I mean, that's kind of the opposite way to look at it. But you could, but again, run it as a, as an experiment. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's anything with leadership, allowing the team to try things. Uh, I, I talk a lot about how leaders should declare set the acronym set S E T T safe enough to try. So mm. uh, well, a lot of times, people are really keen to try things, but they're they they are afraid to try because they don't know where things are going to you know, they're going to be a uh, you know, a pothole or a, a minefield, whatever metaphor you want. Yeah. So, as a leader, you have an idea of what, what you would allow people to try or what's mm. safe. You know, yeah. maybe you have organizational context that you don't have. So, declare that. Tell tell yeah. people you can try something within these boundaries, enabling constraints, and that yeah. can create that environment.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, if I have to think about like some people who are really skilled and have the expertise in this transformation and agile stuff, I would think about you. But it was really refreshing to hear that you, you are kind of making that a priority to kind of work on yourself. I know you're talking in different conferences, you're doing workshops. So that's such a powerful point. If you are leading an organization around this stuff, you know, just kind of finding out what's, what's out there and, you know, and really learning and, and really growing yourself too. So that, that was really powerful. Oh, thanks Vivek. Yeah. Well, you know,
1: like so, so many of us coaches, we, we're just like standing on the shoulders of other people's work, you know, so it's just kind of synthesizing the other things. Uh, but I do think if there's a lot of personal discipline involved, managing your own work in progress, uh, mm. you know, like making time for learning. If you expect the team to be learning, expect the team to be managing its work in progress. Yeah. Uh, are you doing it yourself? You know, like yes. it's pretty, pretty basic. And then you'll find how hard it is too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, to, to close out this uh this episode Matt, what what advice do you have? Let's say there is a new um a new company or a new leader uh, or several leaders agile coaches are part of a company uh, leading organization. Any closing thoughts around what what are some tips that you give them or things that you have mm-hmm. them read or um mm-hmm. so a- any any last uh thing around that point. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I think one of the things, if, if it's a larger effort, you know, where you've got multiple coaches, I think getting investing time, time in time and having alignment across the coaching group mm-hmm. uh, with with management and leaders who are, who are sponsoring the thing. Because I think what happens, we, there, there's a natural leadership impulse towards standardization, mm-hmm. which is the idea of one size fits all. That's quite different from alignment. And so I, I make a distinction between standardization, we need to, do everything the same way like sheep dip all these people or every every team must look like this mm. um, and and thinking about what's our alignment what are our goals what are our outcomes and then allow coaches because coaches are really good at this they understand how people work they they understand that each team is different and they when you give them the, the high level outcomes or the goals they can self-organize into that with their teams um, the other bit I, I would just say is having an appreciation for complexity. Uh, a lot of us, you know, over the last ten years, have really discovered what Kinevin is and and how it can help us understand where we are and the environment we're working in. Mm-hmm. So often, I've seen, I've seen strife and tension and pain because higher level leaders are wishing that the the situation is complicated when it's really complex. And so, allowing the coaching group, allowing leaders to understand, um what complexity is and that it really does require different ways of working as
0: opposed to a situation we wish it were yeah no really really appreciate it thank you so much man thank you it's a pleasure chatting
1: all right that's a wrap with this episode Thank you for listening till the end. We hope these podcasts are providing value on your Agile journey. If you haven't visited our website, theagilecoach.com, we highly suggest you for other courses and supporting material on your journey. You can also get access to our self-paced courses or learn more about the life training that we provide to become a Scrum Master, Product Owner, Product Manager. With that, we will see you on the next episode love and best wishes from the Agile Coach.